Hello, and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. And this is episode 82. So next week, um, the Macrofab Engineering Meetup, Hardware Meetup, is back on for August. It's August 30th um, at 6 p.m. That's right. At the Macrofab headquarters here in Houston, Texas. Um, this month's topic is lean manufacturing and product design. That's right. Um, Steven, you're actually going to give a talk this Right, because you gave a talk last time. Yes. So we're kind of trading off. I'm going to do a talk on uh, well, lean manufacturing, but how to design for lean manufacturing and things to it's look out like for. It's not like the Atkins and... diet, right? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Cut out, cut out all bad designs, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. So I'm going to do a quick little uh, carb-free like 10, 15-minute lecture on that. So <laughs> a lecture is not a right word. Talk. No. Talk. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to have um, guests. Pizza and beer, right? Yeah, there's beer. There's free beer. There's free oh, beer. It's, it's sandwiches this time. Oh. It's sold beer, though, right? Oh, okay. yeah. There's so got to be the beer. Important the important parts are taken care of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so beer and sandwiches, which doesn't, it's not as good as beer and pizza, but um, <laughs> we'll have guests, Scott uh, Hansen and Eric Benzenhofer. I think you got that right. Benzenhofer. Right. Um they were on episode 77 a couple weeks back and did the they do the idea tank podcast here in Houston. Yeah. So they're going to be back and we're going to do like a live idea tank um after Steven's talk, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of breaking it up a little bit. Do a little bit of a serious talk and then go into idea tank and have a bunch of fun with that. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully get the the audience engaged and talking. Yeah. Yeah, well, have a good time. Yep. So, last week I Wait, is the is that blog out yet? My EM, oh, okay. So last week I finished writing an EFM eight article um, <laughs> on basically how to get the IDE that Silicon Labs has, which is called a Simplicity Studio. Right. I it's got a lot of like funkiness because they have this whole like hardware configurator crossbar mumbo jumbo stuff, which is both like. Helpful and annoying, right? Yeah, because it's just something that you're not used to when you're writing C code for a microcontroller, yeah. let alone a um, eighty fifty one style um, hardware. Ar- ah, excuse me, hardware architecture. Right. It's kind of like if you're used to MP Lab and then you jump over to ML Studio, you got to relearn everything. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing where stuff's at. Wait, but but the code is still generally the same. Well, yeah, it's just C code. Right. It's just what headers you're using and what you know registers are named. Yeah. Right. So I, get, I have an article walking through it and basically getting LED to blink. How do you get Blinky the working code? That will be out next week, I says. Yep. Very cool. So, Steven, synthesizer. Today is the day. It's a red-letter day. It, it is. And, and so I'll, we have been working on a handful of projects. For those who have been listening from the first episode... They know that God we... God help you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they know that we add a lot of projects, but we don't necessarily finish a lot of projects. Uh, I can say today that we, I'm putting quotes up, finished the synthesizer. I say quotes because... It needs, it's like, it's like when a video game goes gold, it still needs like a day one patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> the, synth, the synth needs a little bit more love right now in terms of like aesthetics and like a backplate and things like that. But... It makes noise and it does what I want it to, 
and the, it's, s- the circuit boards need to be a little bit better attached than just thrown in the back of the box. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna post some pictures of this. So let me explain this real quick. Uh, so I've I decided to go and get a uh, piece of steel from Home Depot and make a nice fancy faceplate for this mm-hmm. uh, for the synth. I've been posting some um, some tweets about it recently. I got it all knobbed up and I got a whole bunch of. Um, uh, embossed labels on it so it looks all yeah, like old, old back to the future yeah uh and and parker saw that and was like hey i gotta make an enclosure for this and you had a piece of really nice wood lying around yeah a really nice uh, piece of curled maple yeah uh, curly curly maple <laughs> 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 iris just called out uh, uh that we call the code what really nice piece of wood <laughs> 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 right along with personal rocket. Uh, uh that was our first code word ever. Uh let's go with let's go with the curly maple. Let's let's okay. make curly maple our our code word this week. Yeah, so send that code word along with your address if you're in the United States. We actually found that we can't ship swag overseas. We apologize. Yeah. Uh, but send that into podcast at macrofab.com and we'll send some cool swag your way. Yep. And if you're overseas, just send in an email anyways because we love hearing from uh, our listeners. Yeah. So, so back to the synth. So yeah, Parker Parker saw the faceplate and was like, I'll make you a an enclosure. And I was like, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> uh, and so like, he, he made me a synth. And, and so today's kind of fun because today's actually my two-year two anniversary with Macrofab. Yep. And I finally finished the synth and it's been like a year since I conceived the idea. And we have something that makes noise. So um, we have Chris over here. Well, you, you, you've had things in the past that have made noise, but this makes noise that sounds pleasing to the ear now. Well, okay, this, this makes the intended sound. Yes, not not sound. a partial <laughs> intended sound. This makes the complete <laughs> intended sound. Uh, and there's a thousand ways to make it better and a thousand ways to add more to it. But this is like, I would call this what I wanted, you know, uh, the end result. So Chris is going to play it for us, uh, give us a little bit of a demonstration, so we'll let it rip for a little bit.
So if you would like to use our uh, that clip there in your really cheesy 80s like throwback movie, write into podcast at macrofed.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. That was Chris. awesome. That was killer. Yeah. And, uh, and that was all on the spot, too. Yes. Uh, that, none of that was premeditated. He literally just played that. Uh, so that was, that was great. Yep. We used a, a little, for those who recognize it, that was the arpeggio from the beginning of the intro of Stranger Things. Yep. Uh, the Netflix original. I love that. Well, the, that We're intro not music sponsored is, by is Netflix, killer. by the way. Not sponsored. <laughs> not at all. Not um, yet, at least. But yeah, no, I mean, the, it, the thing is working. It's, it's, it's doing things. <laughs> it's making sounds. Well, it's also, it's also, it's not a danger to the human operating it, either. That's, that is true. Now, because it's in an Now, enclosure. if you say on the other side, yeah, 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 there's a problem. There's, there's 30 volts in there. The tops. Yeah. yeah. So... Well, it's actually still hooked up to a lab power supply too. <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to install an actual power supply in it. You know, actually, it might be safer this way because it has constant current. Because it's constant current, and um, if you put a plug on the back, you now have one twenty inside the chassis instead of it being contained into this nice UL certified power supply that you have. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and your the enclosure is made out of wood, and so if you put one twenty into that, you I think you're breaking some rules there. Yeah, that'd be fine though. Yeah, but it works. We can put a metal plate or something. Yeah, we'll we'll put a metal plate, and people will think that it's super safe. Yeah, maybe we can get like knockoff UL stickers or something. I should put that on there, and I should get one of those uh, golden QC approved, <laughs> you know, those QC. really crappy Chinese QC stickers. Yeah, it's got kind of like the hologram on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there it makes go. it like golden. Yeah, yeah. So as of the last time we played this, um, I didn't have a good envelope working. No, the envelope had some weird Artifacts. jankiness to it. Yeah, yeah, and and there wasn't a filter. I had the amplifier, the voltage-controlled amplifier, yep. uh, so I was able to play the Mario Brothers theme song. Um, but now it has the filter. Uh, yeah, it had that weird like whoop whoop sound. That's right, and that was the Zener diode getting yep. getting all funky on us. Gosh, that was many episodes ago. Oh yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah. So that that got all fixed, and now it has a uh, a proper filter installed in there, and it's actually a clone of a um, of a Moog ladder filter. And this was the one where I was waiting on those chips to come in for weeks. The special chip. Yeah, uh, I built it on VeraBoard, and it it works. And you have enough of those to actually lay down um, a proper circuit board, right? Yes, yes. Enough in fact, I actually chips. have a proper circuit board. Um, that can utilize that chip. Now, TI actually has a remake of that chip uh, that Mauser has. Uh, they no longer make it, but Mauser has like a thousand of them in stock, and they're ninety cents each. And they come in a SOIC fourteen package. Mm-hmm. So I could just make it with that. But I have three more of these chips right now, so I could I could make one more proper filter on a uh, on a PCB, which I probably will, because this Vera board that's in the back right now is. Super janky. Well, you got like three of them in there. I've got three of them in there. Two of them are not working right now. The be- I- my favorite is I looked at it this morning, and there's actually a dead bugged like dip eight chip somewhere in there. I don't know what that part does though. You know what? That is the most critical part of the entire synth, and it's just hanging in the air by wires. That is the the reset integrator for the uh, for the signal. Oh, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like. The part in Spider-Man where Spider-Man's like trying to like pull stuff together and he's like floating in the air. Yeah, Yeah, because I took the dip eight and I bent the the leads out out. straight out. And it's and I would I I prototyped with that circuit by just I would solder on a cap and if it didn't work (laughs) I'd solder on a bigger cap and I kept doing that and I actually have four caps soldered in parallel because it just happened to work with those four in in parallel happened to. Now, if when you off. remake that into a circuit board, are you going to put those four caps? Oh, yeah. Or are you going to find one cap to rule all four caps? No, I'll probably just do all four because one cap probably wouldn't work for whatever reason. Uh, probably the ESR. Well, yeah, probably whatever reason. Yeah, because if you put more caps in parallel, the ESR will drop down. And this is the this is the most critical part because this right. is the circuit that sends the reset pulse to my integrator. So as you know, to create a ramp pulse, you have a, yeah. a linear wave, and then it has to reset. Uh, this that that dead bug is the thing that actually sends the reset pulse. So it has to be super fast, super accurate, uh, and it can't have overshoot. It can't. Is it a five five five? No, it's just an op amp. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's just oh, an op it's amp. an op amp in like an oscillating mode. Uh, well, no. Uh, so so my my. Um, microcontroller talks to a, a digital pulsing chip. Ah. That pulsing chip then gets sent to the oscillator or the the, uh, the dead bug circuit, which then communicates to a transistor switch. Uh, but I have to out. have some analog, some funk in there. Yeah, we should draw that out for the, the notes. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be so dirty. Just draw on a napkin. Yeah, sure. I yeah. mean, it's it's just the napkin will be just as nice as the actual circuit yeah. in physical life. <laughs> the, but the great part is it looks great from the outside, but what's it's what's inside that doesn't count. Well, I yeah, I call it the mullet synth. <laughs> yeah, the it's, mullet it's, synth. It's, it's business in front and party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I'm glad to finally get this up and running yep. and, and have something that can actually be played. And hopefully in the future, our intro and outro on the podcast is played on the synth. I want to, I want to redo the intro and outro with this synth. That'd be sweet. That's the next step. Yeah. So, I completely forgot where I was going to go with that. Um, oh, <laughs> yes, that's right. So synthesizers. How does someone get into making synthesizing music? Or synthesized music, I guess. Sure. 
That's um, a way to put it. Because not everyone can just go like, I'm going to, you know, no one's like you and I who can just build a synth and that's how you get into synthesizers. That's a little crazy. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? This is now the first and only synth that I own. <laughs> so <clears throat> the way you get into it is you because get like a, earlier this morning I put the headphones on I'm like I'm turning knobs I have no idea what I'm doing though yeah but that's so much fun that's where like the magic is yeah but Chris like when he was playing it earlier he kind of looked like he knew what he was doing <laughs> he knew he knew exactly what he was doing <laughs> uh, oh, well I have everything labeled <laughs> no uh, the, okay so getting into it is is kind of weird um First of all, you got to get a bunch of money together and then go buy a whole bunch of crap and then play a whole bunch of it, figure out what you don't like, sell all the old stuff that you don't like, and then stick with one. So what's the (laughs) if you if you if you had 100 bucks. okay, what should you get? I would add 200 to that and I would go (laughs) buy an Arturia Mini Brute because that's like the all in one package. Okay, Uh, that's probably the best place to to start. And it's 300, right? Or is it more? Is it? The microbrew. I'm sorry. The yeah, the Arturo microbrew uh, is a budget, and that's really in quotes budget because uh, it's an all analog. It's uh, synth that sounds incredible. It's a it's a, a mini keyboard synth, and, and it's and it's fantastic to start with, and it's really easy to get good sounds out of it. Uh, it is it is actually the design of that synth was kind of um, inspired by. A guy who runs Youth Synth. That's Y U S Y N T H dot com or dot net. I can't remember. Uh, regardless, this guy is is an absolute wizard at synth, uh, and he he's amazing. He puts the bill of materials and the schematics for every module he's ever made, and he has monster synths like the size of a wall kind of stuff. Um, well, he kind of got contracted by Arturia to make this synth, uh, or to at least inform the schematics. Uh, and and it's an incredible synth for a really reasonable price. So three hundred bucks gets you the whole thing. Um, now there's plenty of others available out there, uh, most of which would cost you a bit more. Now if you want to get into the hundred dollar kind of r- range and just start having fun with it, a Shruti. Uh, I don't remember how to spell that. S H R U T I, something like that. It's by Mutable Instruments. You can buy it as a kit uh, and put it together. I think it, I think it runs off of Arduino, and it's a full digital synth. Uh, so it, it actually spits out pulses off of a PWM, but mm-hmm. it, it, it can do everything that you just heard for 100 bucks, uh, and it uh, uses like three knobs on the front. So you send it uh, digital commands, and you basically get these kinds of sounds gotcha. and it has a ton of features and i don't remember exactly how much that is but i think it's around the hundred dollar range it might be more but uh if i were to say getting into it go check that out mfos music from outer space.com is another ample resource uh that guy sells a bunch of synthesizer kits and a bunch of pcbs but he's another one that just you can find a schematic for absolutely anything on that website. If you want a schematic for a VCO, he's got like 10 of them on there. Uh, if you want a single PCB that has every part on it, sort of like what I did, he sells those too. Um, but he provides all the schematics and bill of materials free to use. 
uh, for personal use. Uh, and his stuff, he makes really, to be honest, it's like super cheesy music. It, like all of his stuff is like Bach on a synthesizer, and it sounds really dumb. But his synths are awesome, uh, and and all of his all of his resources are incredible. In fact, I guarantee you, I used, you know, I got in, inspiration with a lot of my designs from his stuff. So between you synth and MFOS, you can build everything you need, or or at least go explore how they work. Both of those guys also have like theory of operation, how to calibrate synths, um, and even a good chunk on how to play them. Awesome. That's where I'd go. Yeah. Well, congratulations on finishing, I think, is this the first MET project we've actually finished? Second one. The Space Echo. Space Echo the was Space the first Echo one. The Space Echo was done. That's not really a project, though. It was more of a rebuild. We didn't design anything. Uh, no, no, we didn't. Yeah. This does not have any fine gold caps in it, though. No, it I apologize, people. Yeah. No, no fine gold in No fine gold. So, cheers. So, yeah, the first MET project done. Woo! Um, the Resistor Resistor is coming soon. Ooh. Dot, dot, dot. We actually had some people write in about that and be like, hey, what happened to what that happened project? To stuff? <laughs> so, no. uh, so, Parker actually got on that. Yep. Okay, so we'll go on to the PAL pick of the week. Yep. So, this is the Project 5474. And if you know what 5474 is, congrats, because you are old school electronics. Yeah. Um, 54 series and 74 series chips basically are the old school building blocks of logic. The original bread and butter. Yeah. Um, so this is a basically a project that they are categorizing and snapshotting all the old school dies of the insides of these chips mm-hmm. and all their subfamilies and everything. Um, and they got a quite a ways to go, but if you go on that website, um, it's I think project5474.org, you can just look at all the dies and it's very nice looking. It's so most of the old, old 7400, um, no, is it 7400 or 74,000? 74,000. 74,000 and 54,000 chips. Uh, use 100 transistors or less. Yes. So they're kind of reverse engineering all of them. Correct. And if you know the 74,000 or 100 series, whatever it is, there's a lot of chips out there. Yeah. So this is a huge project. Yeah, so yeah, they're taking die shots and basically reverse engineering the schematic of what they would be in a transistor level. Okay, quick game. Okay. Name a project you've worked on that has used a 74 series chip. Uh, I've used the 74HC595. Okay. Yeah. And that is... Actually, kind of no, uh, the one I can re- remember is the 165, which is the parallel to serial output, because you can use that in Nintendo controllers. Really? That's how the Nintendo controllers work. They have a parallel to, sh- to serial shift register. To, so it how, just uh, paralleled all the buttons yeah, and actually, then it was it da- What you got out of the 7-pin connector... That you would plug into like NES, mm-hmm. it would actually only use five of those pins. Power ground, clock, data, latch. Nice. And yeah, so you would pull in all those pins. And actually, the SNES was just two ganged up. So it was the same chip. You can actually like graft an NES controller onto another NES controller and use it as a SNES controller. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's cool stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So I used, I, to be honest, I don't remember the number, 
but I used a uh, a hex inverter, uh, one of the 7400 uh, hex inverters, to make a theremin once. If you take the output of a hex inverter and plug it back into the input, it automatically oscillates. Well, you make a ring oscillator. You yeah. make a ring oscillator. It'll rip at whatever speed it possibly can. Yeah, a couple nanoseconds, about 10 nanoseconds. But if there. you put it through an RC filter, uh, where the R is a potentiometer, you can control what that speed is. Ah. And then if you uh, put two of them, um, you add them together, effectively, yep. two of those oscillators, and make one of them such that the C is controlled by uh, how close a human being is to whatever object, you can make a theremin by canceling out the two. Oh, that's uh, cool. So I, I connected two of these hex inverters to a Coke can um, at an electronic store, and this kid was walking by, and I was like, hey, you, you want a co- uh, Coke kid? And he, he was like, yeah, absolutely. He walks up to it, and he, he, before he even got to it, the speakers in the whole store were like, woo! It started going nuts. <laughs> it scared the hell out of the kid. You should build awesome. one of those. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it's they're super super easy. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, because a lot of people like buy thermin kits. Yeah, and they have like a microcontroller and blah blah blah. But hex inverter and a resistor. It it only makes a square wave, so it sounds super Nintendo-y, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, like if you want like a real theremin that does a so, sine wave ooh. stuff, it's like ah, that's that's another game. That's a lot harder. But just a hex inverter that that modifies based off of distance. That's not actually that hard. Yeah, so check out project5474.org. It seems cool die shots. Awesome. All right, so for the RFO, we're going to, we changed it up a bit this week because um, this week Hurricane Harvey is coming to Texas. It's barreling towards Yeah, Texas. barreling towards the Corpus Christi Houston area. We're going to get absolutely hammered. Yeah, rain-wise, it's probably going to start raining Friday midday and not stop till Sunday. Or maybe even longer. Yeah. Depends on how long it parks for. Um, so I had an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, how does, or actually a question, how does an electric engineer or electronic engineer or maker last through a power outage that's like multiple days long? Because one, mm. you can't have internet unless your phone has, has it, but then your phone will die because you don't have power. How do you, how do, you do it? I... Uh, that's 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 tough. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, I've got I've got a couple gallons of homebrew at home. <laughs> that helps for sure. Yeah, but eventually it'll get warm. Oh, you're right. Oh, well, I then you just have to drink it. Fast. <laughs> no, op- get a bunch of ice and fill up your ice because you have an ice chest as a as a as a kegerator, right? Yeah, uh-huh. just fill the whole thing up with ice. That'll last probably a week. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's if, how I would If you survive. can drink five gallons in a week, uh, you probably could do that. The only thing you could do is just drink beer. Ooh, you would be, <laughs> you'd be, that would be a rough week. That would be a very rough week. Um, I was actually going to go on a similar vein. You just got to have a lot of ice. Mm. Um, ice really takes the edge off. But to go back is I would get a, a um, propane-powered soldering iron. And you'd solder in the middle of a hurricane. In the middle of a hurricane. You are such a nerd. Actually, this weekend, I'm going to build our new benches for (coughs) engineering at Macrofab. Well, but you need a welder for that. Yeah, but as long as the power doesn't go out. Okay, so just just pull all the batteries from all of your cars and gang them up together. Gang them up. It's like welding. Yeah, just weld with that. Put put them in series so you got 48 volts. Yep. Or not, I'm sorry, 24 volts. Yep. 
uh, and then and then just start blasting just with hammering it. Hammering it. Yeah, I bet you could do it. I'll probably get one weld in. Yeah, probably. Before I drain the batteries. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, you know, without po- without internet it's and, and power, it's really hard to do electronics. I mean, <laughs> Josh is chuckling over there, but without electrons flowing, it's hard to make electrons flow, right? <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we survive this weekend. It's um, going to be absolutely crazy. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, just don't, uh, what, 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 what's they say? Um, high water turnaround. They have some fancy. Yeah, there it is. Turn around, don't drown. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Without fail here in Houston, every time it rains heavily, which happens fairly often. Not once a year. Uh, there are still people who just, like, there's 15 feet of water in front of them. They're like, ah, I can drive through that. And they're in, like, a Nissan Sentra. And, they, and, and they'll try to drive through that. <laughs> Without fail, it happens every single time. Yeah. So. so I think that will wrap up this episode of the MacFab Engineering Podcast, right? Yep. We were your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. See you later. Take it easy. Thank you. Yes, you, our listener, for downloading the show. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest MEP episode right when it releases. And we'd love it if you review us on iTunes. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Parker and I to discuss, tweet us at macrofab or email us at podcast at macrofab.com.